Great to see you all this evening. And, uh, and we've been on an amazing journey this week where we've been going through Liberty Week where Rose was talking about. We've been fasting together. And yes, actually going without food. Guys, it's possible. I was speaking to some people this week that they've never missed a meal and they were fasting with us. They were like already by lunchtime. They were like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make it through. But you really can. Jesus did it and it wasn't just supernatural. You can go without food and fast and pray to God. And that's what we've been doing this week. And we were meeting through the nights of this week to come together as a church and say, what has God got for us? As we're giving this to him, what does he want to give to us? And so on Wednesday night, we gathered here and we pray for the Holy Spirit to come. I want to talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit this evening. So we're going to talk a bit about that. Um, But guys, uh, one of the things that as a Brit moving to America, there's been a few kind of difficulties along the way. There's, There's been a few things where maybe... I've been misunderstood, and maybe I've misunderstood others. Maybe a few people here tonight. Uh, maybe you're not even understanding what I'm saying right now. Who knows? Um, but there's been, uh, there's been something about the power of understanding that I want to share with you tonight. And one of the things that... Um, uh, and we, we found a way to crack this because we like to go on holidays in France as the British, okay? So we can just go and you can drive down to the south of England and then you can get a ferry over like a boat um, and get over to France. And it's a great holiday. And not many of us Brits speak French, but we've, we've cracked the code. We know a way to overcome this problem is that you say what you want to say, but say it in a French accent, it's, I want to try and get to the museum. And you just, if you say it, I want two cogs, please. It's like you're basically speaking French. It's the same thing. It's much more understandable, much more relatable to. Um, and that's how we, we find it. And it's just, it's usually there's some children in the back of the car just holding their heads in shame as the dad is kind of out the window trying to speak in his French accent, trying to find his way uh, through France. It's always very entertaining. So we've, we've cracked that code, but there's a few things that I've struggled with here as being a Brit. One of them was um, I, I met an old lady in a cafe and uh, we, I was sat in my cafe and I was had my Bible open and she, uh, and she was a nice old lady and she said to me, what are you studying? Uh, and I said, well, actually, I'm, I'm speaking at church this Sunday. And I said, I'm preparing to speak uh, on the Lord's Prayer. And she looked kind of confused. And she's like, interesting. Uh, I said, oh, I, I bet you didn't know I was a pastor. And she's like, I'm sorry. I said, I, I bet you didn't know I was a pastor. She's like, I'm having the tuna sandwich. <laughs> and I just, ha, oh, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy that, enjoy that. And I was so confused. And then as I sat there, I started to laugh because I realized that she thought I'd asked her if she was having the pastor <laughs> instead of me saying I was a pastor. So there's been a few, there's been a few, uh, there's been a few problems. Um, I was looking for the Lidl uh, when I was here uh, to go to the supermarket only to find that the Americans call it a Lidl. Rather than it, we say little. Guys, there's no E's in there. Have you not thought about it? No? Okay. Um, and or, or, uh, I had someone in my kitchen asking me for um, some herbs. And I was like, herbs? What's that? And they opened the cupboard and they started showing me oregano and Italian herbs. And we say, herbs. There's an H there, guys. 
No? Come on, you, Charlie, you got a good, yeah, you got, I got you on that one. Come on. Eh? So, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, I was just, I was literally talking to Sarah the other night. She's saying, what's in your dessert? Because we were breaking this fast. And I said, there's pecans in there. And she, you should have seen the look on her face. She was like, and, and then someone chipped in it. She, he means pecans. Is that right? Is that who said? Yeah. It's pecans. Okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that one later, Sarah. Um, okay. So there's this thing about, but we want to be understood, don't we? And there's sometimes this frustration when we're trying to get ourselves across in another language or in another country, in another culture. We want to get understood. And, um, and there's something about this for us as Christians where, have you ever kind of been talking about your faith and trying to get the right words, trying to tell some of your story and try and interpret into someone's life? And they don't quite get what you're talking about. They don't quite understand what you're trying to say. Maybe you're trying to take something. Have you ever like, heard a message on Sunday and then tried to reiterate the message to someone? It's like, they, they really said it much better than I did. I mean, it was, okay, just forget what I said. Just listen to the message. Um, you know, I don't know if you've been there, but it's like trying to translate to someone the great truth that you received and trying to put it into their life. So there's this thing of translation. There's this need and this, this desire for us to be understood when we're either telling our story or whether we're coming and talking about our faith. And our ability to connect with others, it centers on the language that we use and the confidence in which we say it. Okay, so our ability to connect with others, it's about the language we use and our confidence in which we use it. Now, guys, just as kind of I'm talking about first interactions, um, one of the things is that is is uh, is very important is our first, isn't it? If you think about our first, they're always quite significant. Uh, so when you first meet, like, I don't know if you've got like a, a good friend, but you think about the first time you met them. Maybe it's your first time in church tonight, and you'll never forget that night. He was talking about the pecans. Um, you know, it's like whatever your first is, it kind of sticks with you. Maybe it was your first date, your first girlfriend, your first kiss, whatever it might be. There's something significant about the first. And there's a significance about the first that we find in the Bible. There's something significant about when we see God do something in his word for the first time, then there's something powerful, symbolic about it that we need to try and understand and even if we look at the Genesis story, I remember Rose telling, telling, saying to me just recently, uh, we were talking about kind of a, a theological uh, thing. And she said, it all, always comes back to the garden. It always comes back to God's first arrangement. There's always something about coming back to what God did right at the beginning. So firsts are important. I want to talk about um, a first tonight, about when the Holy Spirit first came uh, in through Scripture. So in Acts, um, when the Holy Spirit is received by the disciples. So we're going to, oh, here's my TV. I was looking over here. Can I try and get this thing going? That's not going to work. Uh, so we're going to look at this in Acts 2. And it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So Jesus had told them, don't go anywhere. I've got a gift for you. So stay put in one place. They've been locking themselves in. They've been barricading themselves in. They've been praying together. It says they were praying night and day continuously. Okay? So some of us think we had a hard time meeting at church this week because there was lots of meetings on. Guys, 
You got nothing compared to these guys in Acts. They were praying night and day continually. And then the moment came, Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Because Pentecost was happening, there's lots of people gathered in this holy place. So they traveled to be there. And when they heard this sound, it was like this big siren, this big kind of, um, this big attention was caused, okay? They said this, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in our native language? Perithians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Don't check me on any of these pronouncements, by the way. Just say it confidently and no one questions you. That's the trick. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The picture we're getting from Scripture is that it's so many different people, so many different tribes, so many different tongues, all represented in the city. And they're saying, I can hear my language. I can hear my language. I can hear my language. And we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made much fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Okay, so there's some who kind of like take things seriously and there's some just that poke fun. Um, But there's something about this first miracle, okay, that is about language, okay? You think about this, the Holy Spirit, The power of the Holy Spirit could have done anything in this moment. I mean, people could be getting up out of their tombs. Maybe blind people could have been starting to see again. Maybe the first thing was going to be healing. But the first miracle is that people started to hear the wonders of God in other languages. So that's the first thing that happens off the back of the Holy Spirit coming. So he comes in like a wind, these tongues of fire coming, just an epic scene that is just almost hard to imagine. But what happens is this expression of language, this different interpretation of the wonders of God coming into all these different people and nations. So interesting. So I want to just have a little look at the history of language, okay? And... uh, And it starts off with Adam and Eve. So we know from God's word that we've got Adam and Eve, and they would have had one tongue, okay? I don't think they had to do interpretation. I don't think there was any translation going on. I think God gifted them with the same language. And from generation to generation, it went on to the same with Noah. Now, we know what happened with Noah is that God flooded the earth because people were sinning. And there was this way that people would just rejected God and were living their own way. And it was so hurtful to God that he said, I'm just going to start again. So he then gives them a fresh chance. But After that, there was the Tower of Babel, okay? And we're going to now look at this scripture in the Tower of Babel um, where we see what happens to this one language line, okay? One language that comes down to to Babel. Okay, 
reverse. Uh, and it says here, okay, and this is in Acts, uh, sorry, this is in Genesis 11. And it says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. There they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. Just side note here. It's like, come, let us, us. Who's God talking about? It's because God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's having this conversation here, okay? So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city, okay? So as we read that, we see the birth at this point of languages coming out all over the shop. In fact, there's six and a half thousand languages in the world. I haven't got time to draw six and a half thousand arrows, so that will have to do for your imagination, okay? But there was something about the diversification. So you had this one track that was coming through for language, and then God came and he just changed everything in a moment of Babel. Because of this sin, these people were full of their own pride and their own desires and wanting to do things for themselves. And God said, right, I've had enough of it. Diversification. And language was birthed into the world. Okay? And so then what happens as time goes on is that Abraham is chosen. Okay? And Abraham is chosen by God to, take, to have a nation birthed out of him. And that nation, we know is Israel. Okay? So this takes years and years, but Abraham gets chosen and selected by God. God sees him and says, out of this man will be my people. So before, everyone was God's people. Okay? But then, out of all these different languages and all these different shoots, God chooses one man and says, I'm going to make a nation from this one person. Okay? And that became, decades later, Israel. And this was God's holy nation. This was his chosen people. This is whom he loved. And this lasted for hundreds and hundreds of years, okay? And then Jesus comes along. And then he, after he dies and resurrects, he says, wait here because someone's coming, which is the, ah, oh, there you go. Come on, brilliant. So it's the Holy Spirit. And what happens, okay, and this is really significant, is that what happens once again, that where God's people, it was just this group. All of these people, all these different languages, all these different offshoots had become their own people, their own nation, their own direction, and this was God's. But as soon as the Holy Spirit comes, not just like a few months later, not just after they've kind of got to familiar with the Holy Spirit and, you know, they've kind of got more time understanding who he is and what he wants. Immediately, 
this is what happens, is that God is sending his people out again, and he does it symbolically through the Holy Spirit. That's why the first miracle that the Holy Spirit does that causes wonder and causes people running through the streets is language. Because it's all coming back to uniting people once again. Like they were united at Babel, he reunites them. But this time, it's through his way. This time, it's through the Holy Spirit. And it's to say that actually it's not about Israel any longer. It's about the whole world. That's why as soon as the Holy Spirit comes, the language transforms the ability of the gospel to go wherever. And the disciples hadn't even caught up at this point. They didn't know that this was the plan of Jesus. In fact, Jesus, when in Acts 1, when Jesus starts to tell them about, hey, wait here, the gift of the Holy Spirit's coming. They start saying, well, when are you going to reveal yourself to the whole nation? They're still talking about Israel. And they want to overthrow Rome. And they don't get it. And then Jesus has to come back and say, no, it's about the whole world. You're going to reach the nations. But even as these miracles are coming out of their mouth, they're speaking languages they don't even understand themselves. Because as the crowd pointed out, these are Galileans. These guys, they're fishermen. They're just regular farm folk. There's nothing special or educated about them. But they speak in our language. How is that happening? It was a miracle. The disciples themselves didn't know. But God was showing a symbol that when you receive the Holy Spirit, there's something about reaching the world. Something about reaching the world. So, uh, you know, there's something so important for us to grasp from this. Because churches and Christians around the world, um, we're all so comfortable and we can be insular and self-focused. So if you leave a church to its own demise without the Holy Spirit, what happens? They go from looking out to looking in. But the Holy Spirit will always drive you out. He will always urge you to reach that family member. He will always urge you to go across the street and talk to the neighbor. He will always cause you to create friendship with that person that's isolated and alone. Because that's who he is. That's why the church all over the world and here in America so needs the Holy Spirit. We can't do with just the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to walk with him because that's how you reach the world. Because that's who the Holy Spirit is. In Acts 1 verse 8, it talks about, as I mentioned, um, the whole point of Jesus saying, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit so that you can reach the world. That's the reason that I'm sending you out to the nations, okay? So, if that's one problem, sometimes that we struggle to feel able to kind of relate, the Holy Spirit translates for us, and that's what he does today. And he does it beyond our language. So, he doesn't just do this in terms of speaking to the Greek person in Greek, He does it by speaking into that person where you don't know their life or their full situation or what they're going through. But the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say. He will translate for you in that moment if you trust him to do so. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that stops us from reaching out is thinking, am I going to be understood? 
But the Holy Spirit, when you have him inside of you, he will help translate you into people's lives. Okay? But one of the other problems that stops us sharing our faith is also um, fear. Okay? And I just want to use the example of Peter in this because he's, again, he's a part of this story of what's happening in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit comes for the first time. Uh, and I want to, this is, um, this is at the Last Supper, okay? And Jesus is saying, look, you're all going to fall away from me. All will fall short. This is, this is going to happen. And Peter, he's loyal. He's like, I'll die to the end. And he just can't accept what Jesus is saying. He says, look, even if all fall away, look, the others might let you down. But me, I, I wouldn't, I'm not that guy. I wouldn't do that. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. It's like, Peter, he wouldn't just go quiet and just accept it. He's like, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, this will never happen. Let's find out what happens next. Okay, so this is later in the chapter, uh, in verse 69. And it says, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to, meet, came to him. So this is when Jesus has been arrested um, he, and Peter has followed in the distance and he's there and, uh, and watching on, okay? And someone recognizes him, this servant girl. Hey, you, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then... He went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. So Peter's making these grand declarations. But the reality is, is when he had the opportunity to say, yes, I'm with Jesus, he was afraid. I think there's a lot of us that would love to share more of our faith in our life but we get fearful or we take a step back or we think maybe this isn't the right moment to own it right now or maybe I'll build up to that sometime in the future. But the Holy Spirit came to Peter in Acts 2, as we read a moment ago, and it transformed him. It changed everything in his life, okay? And so after this uh, miracle happens in Acts 2, so where we got to earlier, okay, in the scripture where they said, they must be drunk. This is what happens next. It says in verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to this, to, this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Okay, we haven't got the other half of it. Uh, well, what he says, is, oh, no, this, this is it. This is it. Sorry, I'm just remembering now. Um, is the fact that Peter takes the responsibility to speak in front of everybody, okay? Now, there are thousands of people, and what's happened before this point is they've been locked in this room, worried, that, where they've been doing prayer night and day, because they don't want to go out in the street 
Because what happened to the person that they were with? He got crucified because he was seen as a troublemaker. What if we're next? They were locked in and they were even more afraid than they were before. Okay? So we see Peter so afraid and then we see him getting up in front of the whole crowd and getting ready to preach. He preaches and 3,000 people commit to Christ that day. That's some good odds. That's some good numbers right there. And the amazing thing is, okay, is that as Peter receives the Holy Spirit, it delivers him of his fear. And so I want to encourage us that that is the power of the Holy Spirit in us, is that when we receive his Spirit, he can translate us, but he also makes us bold. He makes us courageous. We can see in Peter's story, he denies Jesus after saying, hey, I'm going to stick with this guy. I'm going to die with you, Jesus, if I have to. But he still denied him. But then he gets courageous and he stands up in front of the crowd. He ends up getting whipped in the chapters to come. He ends up suffering because of Jesus, but he has the courage to endure because of the Holy Spirit. Not in his own strength, but because of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to finish up for us um, just now. And, uh, and I want to encourage you guys that as we finish this message, how do we live this out? You know, there's lots of us, maybe you're here and you haven't done Liberty Week this week and you haven't been on a journey with the Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage you, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He is an advocate. He is not just some weird presence that kind of like, I'm feeling a vibe. He's actually someone that lives inside of you and it's God's presence here on earth, okay? And so we can all have the Holy Spirit. If you accept Christ into your life, you can be baptized and then you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. As in, there are three different elements of our faith that we can receive, okay? And so as we come and we apply this message to our life, for those of us that have received the Holy Spirit, I want to embolden you with these truths, okay? So in, uh, in Luke 12, 12, it says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Guys, we've got a whole city to reach. We've got a nation to reach. Why did we move to America? Because there's a world to change. And so there was something about the Holy Spirit driving us out from our comfort zones, driving us from out from where we were and saying, there's more. Overcome your fear. Don't worry about translation. I'll help you with the American conversion. Don't worry about it, Josh. Because there's something about the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting him that if he's in you, that you can reach that school friend that you can reach that colleague, that you can invite them to church. But if you'll think of, how do I say the right thing? The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. You just got to take the step to actually do it. Because he's given you the courage. It's inside of you. So I want you to think about your next steps off this message. Maybe it's about getting to know the Holy Spirit better. Maybe... You weren't here this week. You haven't received the Holy Spirit before. But the Holy Spirit can come to you tonight. And he can come and live within you. But if you've received the Holy Spirit, it's about, well, what's next? Do you know what? As soon as the Holy Spirit came to those disciples, 
I like the fact they were just rudely interrupted. Like God just literally brought people running through the streets toward them and said, right, you better start reaching them right now. You've had enough training. You've had enough warm-up. And it's the same for us. You might not feel fully equipped. You might not. You might feel like, I'm just a Galilean. I'm just someone who doesn't have all the answers or is not the qualified person that people expect. But I tell you what, if you go in the strength you have, if you go trusting the Holy Spirit, you'll see people start to be reached in your life. So I encourage you, think about how you can be translated into someone's life this week. Think about how you can be courageous by sharing your faith with someone, by sharing your testimony, by sharing an invite to church with someone this week. Maybe it's someone in a cafe. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. But do something with what God has given you because that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's called you to change the world. The Holy Spirit didn't come just to hold your hand through difficult situations, but to come and transform this place. So let's pray. Yes, Father, I thank you, God, so much for your presence. I thank you so much, Lord, for your truth. And I thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord, that helps guide us and shape us and direct us and illuminate who you are as we gather together. One of the things that we do in this church is that we give opportunity where people can say, I want to believe in Jesus. And maybe you've heard about the Holy Spirit this evening. Maybe you have sung some of those truths in the songs tonight and felt God in this place. And you want to turn to Jesus tonight and give your life to him. It means repenting. It means turning away from the life that you've been living and saying, Jesus, I want to choose your way over my way. I want to ask for forgiveness of the wrong things in my life called sin and embrace the fullness of life, knowing that I could spend eternity in heaven. So if there's anyone here We'd love for you to just consider that a moment. And then I'm going to just give you a moment just to think about that. If there's anyone here that wants to commit their life to Jesus tonight, would you raise your hand so we can pray for you after the event? If there's anyone here who wants to give their life, would you just raise your hand right now? Amen. Come on. Now, if there's anyone who's, maybe you've been away from God for a while, and you've been living your own life. But tonight, you think, I want to turn back to him. I want to give him everything I have. You can make a declaration and decision tonight by raising your hand. If that's you, would you raise your hand now? Amen. Lord, I thank you so much, God, that you've equipped us to go out into this world and to change it, to transform it. And Lord, we can go, Father, knowing that you'll translate us, knowing, God, that you've given us the courage to do so. And so, Father, Lord, I commission the people here tonight, Lord, to be sent out, God, into this city, into the universities, into the workplaces, into the cafes, to make a difference, Lord, to share your light. In Jesus' name, amen.